three grandchildren in one house. I survived. <laughs> yeah. So uh, that was an interesting, uh, but it was a great time. It just a joy. I uh, just enjoy being with my family, as I'm sure most of us would do. I want to uh, start this year uh, just on a theme that I, as I was having my time off or just that time more relaxing, it just was just contemplating and asking God and saying, Father, what's, what's uh, to, you know, 2022 going to hold? What could we talk about? What would be the thing that we could start this year off? And what would be the theme of your heart, God, for our uh, for the body of Christ, for the people in Gladstone and in Port City? And, and the word that came to me very strongly, it was new. Just N-E-W, three letters, not much of a word really, but it's a powerful truth. And as I started to just think about that, I just come across so much truth uh, that God just uh, talks about. Because if, if, if uh, the reality is, is that I believe God always wants to do a new thing in our lives. Uh, we could sit back and say, you know what, same old, same old, I'm just going to settle in. Uh, you know, um, I don't want anything too much new, I know, but I, you know, the truth is, I don't want to just exist, I want to live. I want to f- move forward. I want to have what God has uh, for us and uh, for my life. And so I want to encourage you today with a passage of Scripture uh, that talks about in Isaiah 43. Let me read it to you, verses 16 to 21. Can you see me all the way back down there, Marcel? It's cool. Yep, I don't have to be on the stage necessarily. Uh, uh, but Isaiah 43 and verses 16 uh, to 21 says this, Thus says the Lord, um, this is, of course, this is Isaiah, uh, the, he's a major prophet in the Old Testament, and he was God's spokesman to the nation of Israel, and he's speaking to the nation of Israel. He says, Thus says the Lord, who makes a way in the sea and a path through the mighty waters, who brings forth the chariot and the horse, the army, and the power, they shall lie down together, they shall not rise, they are extinguished, they are quenched like a wick. Um, do not remember the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I will do a new thing, now it shall spring forth, shall you not know it? I will either make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. The beasts of the field will honor me, the jackals and the, or- and the ostriches, uh, because I give waters in the wilderness and rivers in the desert, to, ma- to give drink to my people, my chosen." This people I have formed for myself, and they shall declare, what? My praise. Uh-huh. Not just uh, my praise for me, my praise to him, about him. Um, in this passage, uh, the nation of Israel stands on the threshold of a new season. Uh, they Literally, as Isaiah is prophesying this, as he's speaking this, he's talking about, uh, he's talking to the nation of Israel, but they're actually in captivity right at this moment when Israel's speaking. And it's not the captivity of Egypt anymore. They've come out of slavery. As mentioned in the first two verses I read to you, you'll notice verse 16 and 17 talk about, you know, coming through the mighty waters. What do you think that is? It's the Red Sea, isn't it? Coming out of slavery in Egypt, you know, hundreds and hundreds of years earlier, uh, they came through the Red Sea. The Egyptians who followed them, uh, of course, drowned in the Red Sea. But now they're not in captivity in Egypt. They're in captivity in a place called Babylon, which is to the far east of them. And they've been there for 70 years in captivity. Uh, They've been taken away from their homeland of Israel and Jerusalem. And they've been uh, dragged off to Babylon. And uh, if you look, read the book of Daniel, you'll see that's the setting for Daniel's life. He's in Babylon. Um, But uh, as we look at this verse, uh, verses 18 and 21 says, I will bring you across the desert back to Israel. 
now there's a hope. Now there's a proclamation that God is giving to this nation of Israel again. He says, I want to bring you back. I want to bring you back. Uh, and they're at the threshold of this new season they're about to step into. Uh, interesting time is about to unfold for the nation of Israel. Um, as I thought about that, I thought about uh, we stand on the threshold of a new year. Uh, we, we stand right now in the month of January, and we're uh, so many days into it, not too many days. Um, and what would be, and my question today to you is, what would be one thing, just one thing, that you would say, you know what, I'd love to see different this year. I'd love to see change this year. I'd love to see new this year. Um, overhauled, reestablished, uh, uh, something change for the better, whatever wording you want to put on it, but moving on to something that needs to happen. Maybe maybe for years, you've made these little things that people talk about at this time of year, New Year's resolutions, uh, and, uh, and they've never worked for you. Uh, they've never worked. Maybe that's been uh, um, your case. And, and, you know, you, 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 get it, you do it for a month or a couple of months, and it, it just gets old, and you, you forget about it. Uh, but I was challenged as I thought about that, and I thought God said to me, you know, in a sense, it's not a new, don't make any more New Year's resolutions. Just make a God resolution. Uh, make a resolution for your life with God. Don't do it just for yourself. Why don't you just, in, uh, you know, involve Him in the whole situation? Um, and, as we, uh, and as we look again, can I ask you to dream again? Can I ask you to think again about the realities of what could be changed? What needs to happen different this year than last year? Because it's got a lot to do with you. Uh, it's got a lot, actually, everything to do with you, but everything to do with God as well. So, because God speaks here, He speaks through Isaiah in this passage, and He's speaking of bringing the children out of slavery, as I said, out of Babylon. They've been there long enough. 70 years is long enough, isn't it? That's probably a couple generations of, of growing up and maybe even one of the generations has died. And so there's a new generation there born in captivity. But as I, I think of their enslavement, I think what about the things that have sought to enslave you? What are the things, maybe those addictions we hate but we struggle to break? Uh, maybe unforgiveness that seeks to embitter us or anger that's hard to control at times or the fear that wants to grip your minds at times over situations in these present times. Or that maybe it's a sadness and a grief that you thought you'd be over by now. It should be finished. I, I'm not, I, I, I of course don't know, but, but, the, but there can be things. Maybe the loneliness uh, sometimes gnaws away at your emotions or those struggles of self-hate. Or feelings that your future is just all downhill. It's washed up. Those can be the realities. And maybe I want to encourage us today because God says to us at Isaiah, and I believe it just isn't for, for the nation of Israel because now we are, we are His people. And He says, you know what? I want to do something new. I want to do so. I am so excited by the reality of that because throughout Scripture, God continually speaks to us about something new in our lives. Psalm chapter 40, um, there's a proclamation made in the psalmist says, you know what? He'll put a new song in your mouth. You know, I think sometimes our speech has got to change. Sometimes our, uh, the words that come out need to, be, uh, they need to be altered. They need to be stopped. Because you know what? God wants you to speak life and not death. Power is in what? Your tongue, isn't it? 
Life or death of the power of the tongue. So we see it's the psalmist says, you know what? No more grumpiness, no more negative speech, but life-giving words. Does that need to change? Because God says, I can put a new song in. I can put a new words in your mouth. And obviously that'll come from a new heart attitude. Second Corinthians 5.17, it says, If we know Jesus, we'll become a new creation. All things have passed, old things have passed away. Behold, all things become what? New. And, you know, it's not just for salvation, but I think sometimes there's things that have got to pass away in our life. Some things we need to kill. Stuff that doesn't need to be there anymore. He wants to make something new out of that. I love what he says in Hebrews chapter 10, 20. There's a new and living way. A new and living way. In other words, this new thing that God wants to do, it's alive. It's not dead. It's life-giving. It's fruitful. It's fresh. That's what new things are. And, and then we see in Revelations, if, as if God is reminding us of what He said in Isaiah 43, He says, I will make all things new. All things new. I love the reality. So let me ask the question, how will God do this for us? How is this going to unfold for us in 2022? How is the new going to come to pass? How, how is it going to unfold? And I want to encourage us today to understand as we look at this passage of what God wants to speak to our hearts about today. And the, th the first thing I want to say is verse 19. Behold, I'll do a new thing. Now, now it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? It will even, I will even, God says, I'll even make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. And my title for this first point is simply this, new roads, new rivers. New roads, new rivers. We see in this passage that God is speaking to the nation of Israel of course, as they, they've yet to come, they, they need to come out. He wants them to come out of Babylon. And he says, I'll make roads in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. And whenever we see roads in the Bible, you know what roads speak of? Roads speak of God's guidance, direction, and purpose for our lives. Whenever you talk, when he talks about roads, he talks about direction, purpose, and um, uh, for your life. And whenever he speaks about rivers, often or not, when he's talking about rivers, he's talking about, uh, about water for us to drink, which means sustaining life. And so when you, talk, you think about it, they're the very two basic things we all need in our lives to live, for our story to continue, for our journey to continue this year. You need, you need uh, these two things, guidance and sustenance, roads and rivers. And so here we go. God is saying to the Israelites through the prophet Isaiah, I will bring you out of Babylon, that's out of slavery, but I'll give you guidance, purpose, and sustaining provision, life. That's roads and rivers for your life. If there's two things we need, we need that. We need roads, we need direction, we need, we need the path to see ahead. And sometimes when God leads us, He leads us simply one step at a time. Sometimes he doesn't light up the whole runway, but he'll just give you one light, enough light to take the next step. And that's where trust and faith come in, doesn't it? But, you know, and, and, uh, and when he wants to sustain you, when he wants to nurture you, when he wants to give you some sustenance, it's amazing, the refreshing presence of his Holy Spirit. Worship is so powerful for that. Just our honoring him, he wants to sustain you. So the Israelites... They, fa they had faced in their life the two major events in their lives. It was the coming out of Egypt and the coming out of Babylon. And the common thing in, the, in both of those stories, the whole for them, for those Jewish people, is that God made roads and He made rivers to do certain things in both instances. And I love the fact that whether you're facing the Red Sea when they came out of Egypt or a, de or a desert, He can make roads through both. Think about it. He can make a road through both. 
He's the God who can turn rivers into dry land, as he did with the Red Sea. Or he can take dry land and produce rivers, as he did when they came out of Babylon. God's that kind of God. And I want to just prophesy over you that, you know, if you're facing at the moment a raging river that stands as a security guard and says, you're not going across, you're not going through, I want to tell you that God can put a dry land through the middle of that thing, a path for you. If you're facing something that just is, is big and ugly and just feels like it's not going to let you pass, you can't get through this thing, it just continues to bother you or continues to hammer you. I tell you what, you know, in God, it can be a, He can put dry land right through there. And maybe today it's not that that you're facing. Maybe you're facing a very dry time. You're needing some moisture. It's a desert experience. It's, everything just doesn't seem to be going well. I want to tell you what, that God can take that, that dry land and He can put a river in there as well. the God of the new. And you might be facing something today. I, for, 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 the, for the sake of what I want to share, let me share again uh, uh, something that happened to us last year. Please forgive me. I know you, you've probably you've heard the story, but last year two little miracles came into our lives and two children were born into our family, two grandchildren, one a little girl, one a little boy, Ezekiel and Adeline. And besides the miracle of birth, which birth is, I reckon, it's just a wonderful miracle. I mean, how do you do that? <laughs> how, how, how does a, a seed, how does it come together and then it starts to grow and just and get bigger and bigger and, and then bang, it's born and then, wow, it's just like a little human being. That's amazing. Creation is amazing, isn't it, what God does? But birth is a miracle. But, uh, but uh, uh, more than the miracle of just the birth, uh, the miracle of actually them being born, uh, I believe, was a miracle. Because uh, when you go through three miscarriages before you finally get to the point of having the two little grandchildren, three miscarriages over two daughters, you start to get a little disappointed, you know. And, you know, we, we, when the first pregnancy came along in those first few weeks, you know, we're all excited as a family. And uh, you get, well, oh, another child in the family. Uh, and then being miscarriage. And then the second one comes along and you get a little bit more wear, wear, wary and weary. And you think, oh, well, no, this is exciting. And then being a miscarriage. And then the third one, like, I remember my daughter was even hesitant to tell us. You know, was even hesitant to tell us. But they did. And then it happened again. And, uh, and so all of us felt it as a family. It's not that we didn't praise God. It's not that God had left the throne. It wasn't that He wasn't still faithful. It's just that we were facing something at that moment and, and we had to work through it. So it became a matter of prayer for me and Michelle, but it, uh, for all the family. And uh, certainly my prayer was continual. Every day, rise and just pray. And say, Father, in the name of Jesus... I don't want barrenness. I don't want the desert. I want the fruitfulness of a river to flow in this wombs. And, and I just speak it into being. And it all, and, and for 18 months, it continued. And, and it, it kind of accumulated one day in the, in the most um, uh, places I never thought it would happen. A place where I just, uh, it just was so out of the box. But God was reminding me, Michelle, and we were in Israel and as I've shared the story before, we're in a place called Shiloh, one of the most barren places. It's just no grass, no trees. I'll show you a picture later on, but just it's so barren. And Shiloh is the place where the nation of Israel came across 
came after they've come out of um, uh, you know Egypt and for 40 years in the desert they come across the Jordan and they come into the promised land and so they had that makeshift tabernacle where they worship God and they had to put it somewhere so they put it in this place called Shiloh uh, and there they put the uh, temporary tabernacle that became a permanent tabernacle there and uh, and that place they took us the guide they took us on a bus one day an hour and a half out of Jerusalem and and they showed us through this place where the uh, the tabernacle was placed and then the guy just all of a sudden kind of like just out of the blue it was to us he just said this he said you know what if you just want to take a moment to pray because maybe you know someone who's not having children and they want to have children because remember he said this is what he said our Jewish Christian guide, he says, remember Hannah, come and pray to this spot and ask for a child. Come and ask for a child and, and God granted her and she hadn't had children, for, couldn't have children or something was blocking it. And as she prayed, she asked for a child and, uh, and uh, of course God granted her that prayer and little Samuel was born and became a great leader and prophet in the nation of Israel. And so Michelle and I went to the edge of where possibly the tabernacle was actually placed. We stood in this mound of dirt and we just prayed, we had a few tears, and we just cried out again. We said, God, God, you would hear us. I know you hear us, God, but would you grant children to our daughters? And within four months, they were both pregnant again. Four months. I felt in my heart there was something that shifted, so I was believing. And to be honest, if, if I wasn't um, a bit wary, I, I suppose I was, but I was believing and trusting and of course, they went full term and we're about to celebrate their birthdays this month and next month. They're going to be one each. Isn't that a wonderful testimony? But I say that, you might say, well, was it your prayer? No, no, I think it was the combination of prayer. I think it was the, the faith that rose in their hearts. Was it the place you went to? Was Shiloh the place? Could we all go there and just get bang, barrenness and leave? No, I don't think it was the place that was more sacred than anywhere else. I think a lot of people go to Jerusalem, to Israel, looking for sacredness in some monument or some old building, but it's not there. It's the presence of God that's sacred. And so as we stood there and we prayed, I think our faith levels lifted. If not, that was probably all I can put it down to. Faith levels lifted. And of course, God heard our cry. And in the place that was barren, the place that was dry, the desert, the wilderness, there's a river started to run. And I want to encourage us that in 2022, God has a river, God has dry land, whatever it's needed, He has it for you. Jeremiah and 32, 37, Behold, I'm the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is there anything too hard for me? The answer is no, there's not. It just some, sometimes seems very hard to us. Let me move on. It's rivers, new rivers, new roads. Uh, number two, it's never too late. Uh, do not remember, verse 18 said, I read to you, do not remember the former things, nor consider the things of what? Old. The things of old. Interesting that God says, forget the former things here. He says, forget the former things. But two verses in verse 16 and verse 17, he reminds them of how they were brought out of Egypt and he parted the Red Sea and drowned their enemies. So he reminds them in verse 16 and 17 of something powerful that God did for them. But in verse 18, he says, forget the former things. That could almost seem like a contradiction, can't it? It could almost seem like God is contradicting himself. What are we to do? Remember or forget? The truth is, God wants us, sometimes there's things we need to forget and there are some things we need to remember. That's the reality of it.
He wants them to forget. Sorry, yes, he wants them to forget the slavery. He wants them to forget their failures. But he wants them to remember the provision of God when he brought them out of Egypt. So there's things that he wants them to forget while they were in there in the first place. They'd neglected God. And while they were in Babylon is that they'd neglected God. They'd sinned. They'd failed. And they were taken captive. Uh, not God doing it necessarily. Their own consequences of life. that, And they're in captivity because of that. He wanted them to forget those failures. But he wanted to remember the provision of God. And you need to sometimes just sit and think for a moment. When you're going through a valley of the shadow of death, you need to maybe just sit and think, when has God ever been faithful to me? And if you can think of nothing, maybe this is the year where God wants to show you. But there's a lot of us can think of things that are faithful, and we need to remember God's provision. At those times when it was difficult, those times when it was sad, God's provision for us, God's coming through breakthrough for us. And if you haven't got one, I want you to get one this year, because God's ready. God's waiting. Um, the Bible says uh, there's things to remember and there's things that we need to forget. We need to, we need, when we ask for forgiveness, our sin is forgotten. Did you know that? We need to forget, forget that as well. Move on. Move on from that self-demotion, that pulling ourselves, well, I'm just this. I'm, you know, if we've, if we've passed it, we've repented of it, we've moved on, we need to do that. I love the story of Jesus and the, and the woman caught in the act of adultery. And, of course, Jesus, um, at the end of the whole incident, he looks at the woman and says, where are your, uh, you know, um, those who are condemning you? And, he, and, sh and she says, there's none here. And he says, well, neither do I condemn you. In other words, I forgive you. But go and sin no more. But did you notice he, uh, he first of all says, let's forget it then, but go on to a better life. So you know what? There's things we need to forget, but there's things we need to now realize. That woman now had a, had a moment where the, the God of the world, the God, her Savior, Jesus Christ, spoke to her and said, come on, move on. Don't go and sin again. In other words, there is a breakthrough that wanted to happen in her life. Now, do we know the result of that story? We don't, but we could only believe that she did. She left her old ways and went into something amazing. There's things to forget and there's things to remember. It's never too late. It's never too late. I think one of the greatest lies we can believe is it's too late. It's too late. At some point in our lives, we can all feel sometimes, well, maybe I missed the chance. Uh, I messed up too much. Um, and we can be tempted to believe that we disqualify, have disqualified ourselves from having a great future. That's that the best days for us are behind us. I want to say, if this is you today, if you feel like you've missed the chance or like your opportunities to have a great life has passed you, I want you to know that God still sits on the throne. And when you're on God's side, um, the truth is it's never too late. It's never too late. If you're breathing this morning, it's never, you're never past it. Isn't that the God of grace? He's there for us. If you feel like, oh, I've missed the opportunity. I'll never get another thing, another opportunity. I tell you, God, that's a lie that comes from the pit of hell. There's always a, when we mess up in plan A, God always has a plan B. You know, I, I love the God that we see. He sees the potential for something new. When we have a failure, He sees something new straight away. He's planning our victory. When we stumble and come apart, God's already planning our comeback. And as Isaiah wrote prophetically to Israel, they were in a desperate circumstance of captivity and exile. 
And God wanted, uh, wanted to put their eyes back on them to see the new work he would do. And as he began with a reminder to not remember the former things, and if they, because if they were stuck in the failure and sin and discouragement of the past, they would never go forward to renew to the new thing God had for them. You can never go forward when you're looking behind you. You don't drive your car looking in the rear vision mirror 100% of the time, do you? There's something times you've got to look in the rear vision mirror to remember the, uh, where you've come from or the, you know, the provision of God. But most of the time you're looking at the front windscreen. And some of the times we're so hot stare, so longing at the past. Oh, this and this. I tell you what. It, it will, it will uh, fog our vision for the future. Because that's why he says, forget the things, the former things. This question, you know, because he says, I want to do a new thing. Do you not perceive it? Do you not perceive it, he says in Isaiah 43. That question is vital to understanding how dwelling on the past affects us. The fact is, when we're caught up in the thoughts and the events of the past, wallowing in the hurt and pain of yesterday, we become oblivious to the new. We become oblivious to the new because in what God is doing. And that's why God says, do you perceive it? Do you see it? The perceptions of, see, the perception of someone who struggles with letting go of the past literally becomes dulled. Your perception, when you're hanging on to the past, it becomes dull of seeing anything in the future. And keeping, see, see, the, see the Lord, the good things that God is doing. And sometimes we don't see or we can't see the good things God is doing around us. Do you know God is waiting, anticipating so many good things for your life? He's just waiting for your, 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 your working with Him. He's just waiting for you to get on board. He's waiting for you to be there available. He's waiting. He's, he's got good things for you, but He's waiting because He's not going to do it without you jumping on board with Him. He doesn't want to see you fail again because you want to do it yourself. He wants to join with you, partner with you. And sometimes we don't see that because we're so caught up in what happened yesterday. Well, they hurt me. <laughs> oh, folks, that will destroy you. Forgive them. Well, they did this or this or this happened to me. Or, oh, you know, they didn't treat me right. Folks, don't live in the past. You'll never see what the good things that God has for you for the future. See, in the view at the moment, the economic uncertainties, the world tensions that are happening, China, America, Australia, Russia, uh, the medical struggles that we're facing, uh, the food shortages apparently. I went to the Woolworths yesterday, the other day and all the far out, what happened to meat? <laughs> Look out, Barney Point Butchery, that's all I can say. <laughs> we're all coming. <laughs> you know, I don't think, you see, don't be tempted. Don't, don't allow those things to create fear in your heart. Don't be tempted to play God and depend on ourselves. And, and like Israel, you know, under captivity, they were prone to either fight their way out of the battle or resign to their own fate. And neither were the right answer. God tells us otherwise. He's a God of new things. He wants to make all things new for us. He wants to realign our hearts with Him. God is calling us through His Scripture to look to Him, not our circumstances, not the things, and to focus on our freedom in Christ and not our perceived slavery to the world events, which God wants us to stop looking at. Not knowing about, 
I'm going to listen to the news, but don't allow those things. Sometimes we perceive that the world is trying to trap us or the government is trying to pull us down or destroy us personally. I don't think that. I think there's an enemy behind all that called the devil, and he just sways men's hearts to, to try that. But I want to tell you there's someone who rules and reigns, and I'm not being uh, uh, just uh, lacking, being, you know, uh, what's the word for it? being someone who's just airy-fairy, the reality is God still sits on the throne and He still makes the decisions. And you know, if I tap into that kind of God, I'll see the possibilities and not all the negativity. There's plenty of it. Um, Are you okay? That deserves just an amen if there's anybody out there this morning. Because I want you to know, don't look at the things that are around you. Don't let them. Sometimes we perceive that we're in slavery. We're not in slavery. We are free in the name of Jesus Christ. Freedom in Christ. And this world may seem to be closing in. And the things that we've maybe, um, sometimes I think the things around us that the temporary uh, can be cut off because that's a good opportunity for us to run into the God of provision and trust Him more than what the world wants to do. Okay. <laughs> okay. Through, and we'll finish with this. Um, you know what? He goes before you. Uh, chap- uh, chapter verse 9 says, Behold, I'll do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? I'll either make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. I will even make a road in the wilderness. Each of the scriptures, uh, in each of the scriptures, the word behold it says, behold, it's an old English word, but it's still a goodie. It, it, behold, I'll do a new thing. It's a command to pay attention. It's, it's a command to fix your mind on something. It, the word is used over a thousand times in Scripture, and, the, and, it is, and it's to say, hey, come on, behold, think about this. What are we to think about? He's going to do a new thing. It's going to spring forth. Shall you not know it? And, and I love the word know because it's a Greek word for yada, um, Uh, which means to be aware or to discern or to see or to understand. That's why the New Living Translation translates that word, you shall not, shall you not see it. Not just shall you not know it, but shall you not see it. God doesn't say, and the team can come, thanks, Kate. Uh, God doesn't just say, uh, what was I going to (laughs) say? I don't know what I was going to say. God doesn't say, can you see the new thing? God doesn't say, can you see that? Because, because it is there. Can you see it? Because it is there. Now, you, you can't sometimes physically see it. You can be standing in a very dry and dusty place, um, emotionally, spiritually speaking. Um, but the reality is, is that you might be able to, you've got to realize that God's there before you get there. He's already there. He's already got it ready for you. Did you know that before you were born, you were a potential? You were already there. Um, God was already there. He already had the ideas of what, how, what you were going to look like, what you were going to be. He already created you. You were not just all of a sudden some idea of God of the spur of the moment. No, He already had pre-planned it. God's already pre-planned your future if you'll tap into it. I love that about our God. Um, the truth is, in God, the new is already there waiting for us. The new thing. And one of the greatest things we can do to cooperate with God's plan for our lives is to stay determined. To stay determined. I've learned that when you feel discouraged or when it seems impossible, naturally speaking, and when your dream seems like they're just never going to happen, that's when you need to start moving, keep moving forward. You need to keep, keep on believing. 
if you look at Israel, between the captivity in Babylon and the return to Israel lay hundreds and hundreds and hundreds, if not thousands of kilometers of wilderness and desert. And the reality was when Israel was taken captive by the Babylonians out of Jerusalem and out of Israel, they were, they were, their captors took them to Babylon. They knew the roads, they knew where the rivers were to get there. Now the Jewish people are in Babylon and Babylon is about to be overthrown and the Jewish people have got no one to bring them back. They're going to have to bring themselves back. But God says, you know what? Hundreds of kilometers of desert and wilderness, I'm going to make roads. I'm going to, make, I'm going to give you guidance and, and direction. And I'm going to make rivers when you need sustenance and you need provision in that desert. And do you know what they needed to do? They needed to realize God had already gone, was already going before them, but they just needed to follow Him. They need to follow the world, follow Him. And, and the interesting thing is, is that when they, it wasn't until they stepped into the desert that God made the road. It wasn't until they got into the wilderness that God provided the river. They had to step out. It's, it's a bit of a faith walk sometimes, isn't it? It's a bit of stepping out into the unknown, doing something that seems, oh, this doesn't seem totally, uh, you know, um, uh, wise but I'm gonna but it, there's this wisdom in it because as you trust in the living God do you know when Moses came to the Red Sea he brought the children of Israel out of Egypt and they got the Red Sea in front of them they got the armies of Egypt marching down upon them in their chariots and God said you know raise your staff and I'll do something amazing. And as he raised his staff, God parted the Red Sea. He put a wall of water on either side of them. And, he, and, he, and the ground was dry. And they went across the Red Sea. All night they took to get across there. And if you read the scripture in Exodus 14, you'll see that they, the Egyptian army followed them into the Red Sea. And someone's, someone has told me, and there's, there's these thoughts that, oh, the, 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 the wheels of the chariots got stuck in the mud. There was no mud, folks. It was totally dry land. See, when God does something, He does it well. Do you know what happened? It says in Exodus 14, verse 17, I think, that God pulled the wheels of the chariots. He had His angels there pulling the wheels of the chariots off. There was no mud for them to get stuck in. Then when the Jewish people were across the other side, then the water collapsed on top of them and drowned them all. What an incredible God. But you know what? Moses had to first do something. He had to raise his staff. He had to raise his staff before the waters parted. Jordan, when, when Joshua came to the Jordan River, and wanted to go into the promised land with the nation of Israel. Um, God said, get the priest with the Ark of the Covenant on their shoulders. And as soon as their feet hit the water, I'll stop the water flowing from upstream. And there was dry land for them to cross. They had to do something. Not before. And, and, and as soon as the Israel, the Jewish people, as soon as they put their foot on the desert, God started to provide for them. But they had to put their foot out in the desert before, not after. I was just this morning, I was sitting at my desk and I was contemplating this message and just praying into it. And up in my iPad, this little iPad, it just had the screensaver and with all the apps showing, and came a photo, a photo I hadn't seen for months now that I'd taken in Israel of Shiloh. I said, God, what's that about? And as I just looked at that photo, just felt God speak to me. He says, you know, that in that barren place, I produce great fruitfulness for you as a family. 
Here's the photo. I took this photo in uh, February of 2020. See those, there's some white sticks there in the middle of the photo. They're little flags and that's where they say the tabernacle was. And that's where Michelle and I pray. I took this photo and as I looked at that photo this morning, I said, God, in that barrenness, you brought about an incredible fruitfulness. As we stood there and believed God for something that naturally speaking could be impossible. But for God, it's not. Can we stand this morning? Maybe there's this element today that you just say, oh man, the barrenness of some of the situations I face. Or maybe there's a security guard, a big river that is just literally um, wants to stand and say, you're not crossing over. You're not going through. And you know, you need to say out of the road because my God's bigger than you. And as you stand at the threshold of this year, maybe there's something you know that just you don't want to see shift. Maybe it's for someone else today. you got to believe for it. Maybe it's for you today. I don't know. You know, as we just worship one more time this morning, come before Him. I want to challenge you. Take a step today. Take a step. Maybe it's a step into that which you don't know. You don't know about what, how will that unfold, but why don't you believe Him? Why don't you see that He's, a, he's the God of road, new roads and new rivers? He's the God that's it's never too late. And He's the God that goes before you. He's there before you get there. He's already got the new in store for you. Could you trust Him for that this year? Could you believe? And if today you sense that you need to do something more, I'd encourage you, why don't you just come and stand at the front as we worship this morning for this last song before we close this service. Love to just stand with you and believe in prayer. Uh, just to say, God, thank you. What you're going to do, we're going to trust you. If that's you this morning, I want to welcome you today just to come before Him at the start of this year. Say, God, new roads, new rivers for me today, for us, my family, or for someone else maybe. But hey, come on. Team, come on, let's worship just for a moment. And I invite you to step out. It might be a little step today into that unknown. And say, Father, so literally you might have to just do that today. Just come before you. Thank you, Lord. We just thank you, Father. When I'm at my end, yes, Lord. You're just getting started. When I hit a wall, you just walk through. When I face a mountain, you are the maker. So it's God to move. Thank you, Lord. When I'm out of faith, yes, Lord. You are still faithful. When I'm at my worst, yes, you are still good. Yes, Lord. In all of my questions, you are the answer. In all points to you. Thank you, Lord. Yeah. You're the God of the breakthrough. When I 